Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome back to Get Your Go. Your host, Josh, here today talking about the wild card, what happened, and really wasn't a super wild card weekend if you want to talk about a super wild card blowouts. That is what it is. Not a lot of close, entertaining games at all. I'm going to analyze what's ahead for wild card losers. What do they need to not only get back to where they were uh, this past weekend, but how they can improve and then advance later in the playoffs. I'm also going to rank the remaining playoff teams based on what I saw last week. Then I'm going to get into some NBA. Clay Thompson has his best game since he's come back. That helps the Warriors out. You know, can they slowly get back to where they were beginning of the season after kind of this two-week skid that they've been on? And I'm going to get into the NHL, give you my top five teams right now in the NHL and talk about yet another college basketball upset. Seems like it's happening every single week. That's why college basketball is so great. Upsets all the time. But let's get started with Wild Card Weekend. What happened this past weekend? Raiders-Bengals. You had a moment in controversy in that game, uh, which was uh, Joe Burrow's uh, second touchdown that put the Bengals up 20-6. to It was a 10-yard pass from him to Tyler Boyd. What's the controversy? Uh, well, the controversy is that after he threw the football, but before... It was caught for a touchdown. The ref blew the whistle. Uh, I think he was confused. I think maybe he thought that Joe Burrow had stepped out of bounds, which a replay indicated that he clearly uh, did not step out of bounds at all. So that caused some confusion on the field. However, to me, it wasn't... Uh, that much uh, confusion, uh, or it didn't seem like that much confusion because the players were still playing on the field. The receiver was wide open, still made the play on the ball. And so to me, that wasn't a huge play where even though the whistleblown, the refs weren't on the field acting like the play was dead. And to me, I don't know what the ref is doing. In that situation, blowing the whistle at that point because you should just let them play through and you always, 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 always uh, look at and review scoring plays. So the, uh, they would have analyzed that and saw that, hey, you know, guess what, you know, we are... Uh, going to review this, and it's not a touchdown. I think you should just play through instead of, you know, trying to call the play dead and it didn't happen, but the call still stood as a touchdown, which I agree with. However, because of kind of that little ref debacle now uh, that happened, they're not going to be able to do any more postseason games. Uh, so, you know, good for them. Uh, you know, for doing that and getting themselves kicked out of postseason games. But I don't think that ruined the game in any uh, sort of way at all. So the Bengals, I thought, won that game fair and square. They were the better team of that day. They had the lead, and I know, you know, if they don't get that touchdown, well, I believe they still get the field goal at that point. And... They still are in control of the game. They still win the game. They were the better team uh, that day. So Raiders, heck of a game, heck of a season to get where you were at to win your final four games. Uh, But Bengals deserve to win that one. Uh, No controversy, at least to me, that really impacted the game. Patriots and Bills. Now this was one free of controversy. This was actually a perfect game by the Buffalo Bills. 
And what do I mean by perfect game? They scored a touchdown on every single drive except their final uh, drive where all they had to do was uh, take a knee to run out the clock. So they did that. They also didn't turn the ball over at all. They were perfect on third downs, six for six, until the final drive where they took a knee on third down. So they were perfect. They had 482 yards of offense, 8.9 yards per play. Uh, Josh Allen wasn't sacked at all. Again, didn't turn the ball over. He was 21 of 25 with a quarterback rating of 98.5. Now, it's on 0 to 100, and average is 50. 98.5. That is almost a perfect quarterback rating, which is almost impossible uh, to do in the NFL. It's so tough, but he was so good that game. A pass rating of 157.6, which is one tick shy of a perfect pass rating. So Josh Allen almost had a perfect game. He was 21 to 25, 308 yards, five touchdowns. They got the rushing game going as well. 174 rushing yards. Really wasn't penalized at all. Just the complete game uh, for Buffalo. You know, a team they lost to earlier in the year in Buffalo. They beat in New England. So the series was sort of tied, how you will, in Buffalo embarrassed them and I think there's no doubt about it now that Buffalo is you know the cream of the crop of the AFC East I think last year you know Buffalo won uh, but Patriots had so many COVID issues and didn't have uh, a quarterback solution and there are a lot of holes on the roster but this year they shorted it all up and after they beat Buffalo initially and had the number one seed you're like you know is the Patriots ever going to go away But I feel with Buffalo winning their past two games against New England, including the statement game in the wild card, uh, blowing the doors off of them, it just cements them as, hey, the AFC East, you know, it officially now runs uh, through Buffalo. That was a huge win for Sean McDermott, uh, head coach there for Josh Allen, for his team to kind of break through. And in the fashion that they did, kind of have the ultimate momentum now on a five-game winning streak where their wins haven't been too impressive, but this one, most impressive win I've ever seen Buffalo have under Bishon McDermott, Josh Allen era. That was great. I think it's great for their confidence as they now head to Kansas City in what should be an epic game. Eagles and Buccaneers. How about this one? Well, this was just easy work. For the Buccaneers, they were up 31-0 to going into the fourth quarter. Uh, the defense, you know, I thought after that got a little lackadaisical and had some tackling issues, which allowed for Philadelphia to score 15 points. Uh, so Philadelphia won by, or my bad, Buccaneers won by 16. But make no mistake about it, this was dominant fashion, defense especially, I like seeing really kept this team in check, this rushing game, which was averaging 160 yards per game, only averaged 95. Uh, so the Buccaneers, they controlled this game. They looked great. Uh, Tom Brady was crisp with the ball. He was, uh, you know, flowing 29 of 37, 271 yards, uh, two touchdowns. This was without Leonard Fournette as well at running back. And Ronald Jones. This was Keyshawn Vaughn, Giovanni Bernard. Uh, so they were able to do that, run the ball, you know, for 100 plus yards without their two main running backs. And this passing offense, I miss Chris Godwin. I'm not going to lie. He's a threat. Do I miss AB? No, I don't miss AB. Mike Evans, healthy. He's a top 10 wide receiver in the game, arguably top five. I mean, he is that good. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, is great, you know, using the tight end set with Cameron Bray. O.J. Howard works perfectly. It's what, again, Tom Brady is familiar with it. You know, what offense can you say he really can't adapt to? And then also passing it out to uh, Giovanni Bernard in the backfield. So great win for them. But they had a little controversy themselves. 
And it had to do with Bruce Arians, and it's something that just made me upset. Uh, hitting his guy upside the head uh, when a play is uh, after the play is over, I thought that was uncalled for. I know, and I get Bruce Arians' logic. If the player, you know, bet he hit upside the head, uh, he was going to be flagged for sportsman's like conduct for trying to pull Eagles players off of a pile for a fumble recovery. So I get his reasoning for doing that, uh, but I just don't agree with doing him uh, with him doing that. You know, if you want to pull him back, if you want to talk to him, that's fine. But hitting him upside the head, that's not a good look. And this is a team already embroiled uh, in news stories. It seems like every week you had the AB situation go on for about a week, and it was kind of calm and subsided. You know, the week leading up to the Eagles. And then Bruce Arians, you do this to get the media talking about you. And it's just not a good look. Can the Buccaneers please stay out of the media for unrelated football reasons, you know, until the Super Bowl? Can they please do that? I don't want any distractions for this team. It is getting annoying that they have to deflect all these media questions uh, because of people you know, infamous organization doing some dumb things. And to me, that is the only reason I could see, you know, the Buccaneers not repeating is all these distractions finally catching up to them. It's like, please, you got to AB out of the way. Bruce Arians, don't do anything stupid. You're the head coach. You're the leader. You should not be doing things like that. I know you can say it's the heat of a moment and have your reasons, but that's not a good look. This is not football of 50 years ago. Uh, this is a 2022. But other than that, great win and great performance by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then you had the 49ers-Cowboys game. Another one with a little controversy in it. However, I picked the Niners to win this game. I said they pulled off the upset. And they did. They hung on uh, to win. They won 23-17. to And it shouldn't have been that close. Uh, they were up 16-7. Uh, to And then eventually 23-7 to going into the fourth quarter. So, again, should not have been uh, that close at all. It's 23-10. to You know, with about 10 minutes left. And Jimmy Garoppolo... Throws a terrible pass, you know, three yards over the guy's head for an interception uh, right there. We were trying to go down and ice the game, and that leads Dallas to get a touchdown and make it six points, and they're right back into it. And then you punt the ball. They get the turnover and downs. They punt, and then they have a chance to win uh, the game, drive down the field with about a minute left, and, you know, they have a couple creative plays, a pass to, I think, Cedric Wilson, and then he flips it over to CeeDee Lamb. He runs out of bounds. But with 14 seconds left, you're at around the 50-yard line, and you run a quarterback draw, which isn't a bad play call or bad play design at all. I thought, hey, that is very smart, but it was poorly executed. Why? Well, like I said, you have 14 seconds left. You also have no timeouts. And with a quarterback draw, you're running up the field. So you are going to have to clock the ball at some point. And Dak, I think, loses track of the time left in the game. And he just runs a few extra yards too long to where it makes it almost impossible for them to snap it. Where they have eight seconds to line up and clock it. And not only does Dak make that mistake, but he also doesn't give the ball to the referee to spot the ball. The referee has to at least touch the ball or spot the ball. And Dak just gives it to his center and thinks he can just snap it, which he cannot do. Uh, again, they need better clock management, better situational football. I don't disagree with the play call. At all, I think it was smart to try to get you know a 25, 30 yard Hail Mary or four vertical route instead of a 50 yard. 
Hail Mary. So again, poorly executed play by the Dallas Cowboys. And another thing that hurt them, penalties. They had 14 penalties of 89 yards. A lot of pre-snap penalties, offsides, Randy Gregory, uh, false starts as well. That hurt this team, hurt this team's field position. Gave a 49ers some first downs. So this team was not disciplined at all. And that's something you have to address with the coach for not being ready in situations like that. Like that, Dallas, they came out flat. They appeared flat all game. And San Francisco should have won this game by a lot more, and they didn't. They made it closer than they had to. Jimmy Garoppolo making some bad decisions and then injuring his shoulder in the process, spraining his throwing shoulder. So we'll see what happens this weekend. But still, Cowboys lost. And I'm just happy. I really am. All those Cowboy fans, they were showing near the end of the game. All of them crying and everything. That brought joy to my heart. It really did. I love seeing the Cowboys out of the playoffs. You want to talk about the ultimate you know, first round exit team. One playoff game and you're done. The Dallas Cowboys are the epitome of that. And I love to see it. Love to see it. Congratulations on the Dallas Cowboys for getting sent home in such a great fashion. Now you have Steelers Chiefs. That was Sunday night. No score in the first quarter. I was a little surprised. Patrick Mahomes uh, tipped interception. Kind of looked nervous in the first quarter. Uh, Steelers offensively couldn't get anything going in the first quarter is, you know, per usual with them. So it looked a little tight. Then beginning of second quarter, weird wildcat formation for the Chiefs. You have a fumble. TJ Watt picks it up and scores from 26 yards out. And I'm like, oh no, is this it? Is this going to be one of the craziest upsets of all time as this defense led by TJ Watt just going to come out and do it? I was nervous there. But then the nerves subsided within 10 minutes of game time, and Patrick Mahomes threw five touchdown passes, and I blink, and it's in the third quarter, and the Chiefs are up 35-7. to At that point, Patrick Mahomes is rolling, and the Chiefs win 42-21. to Ben Roethlisberger leaves, ends his career with 215 yards, 44 pass attempts with an average of 4.9 uh, per throw and a QBR of 15. Just, you know, what I think summarizes kind of Big Ben's year is not a great quarterback at all. People can say how tough he is, and he was great competitor. Uh, but I think this is the perfect time for Big Ben to sort of step away and no longer be a starting quarterback in the NFL. So... Congrats to Ben on an excellent uh, 18-year career. Two Super Bowls in there as well. Uh, Great for the city of Pittsburgh, but I agree it is time to move on. Whereas Patrick Mahomes, it is not time to move on. You threw for over 400 yards, five touchdowns. Travis Kelsey also had a uh, little touchdown as well pass. Oh, which was nice to see him do that. His mom interviewing him after a game as well. Uh, this Chiefs team also benefited from not having the bye. Kind of like the Bills where they were able to tune some things up and just demolish your opponent, have confidence going into their next game. However, those two teams on sort of this roller coaster are playing each other. So that will be a great divisional game between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. Then Monday night, you had the Cardinals and Rams. I said on my podcast, hey, Rams have the experience. Cardinals are going downhill. I picked the Rams. Rams win. And I go 6-0 and on my picks. If you listen to my podcast last week, I outlined it all perfectly. And I can't believe I got it right. But one time... Maybe in my life I should have done a six kind of leg parlay on all the teams and I would have gotten it right. The Cardinals were in over their heads. That was not a clean game at all. I watched that and it was embarrassing. 
This team looked like it didn't belong. It wasn't prepared. Cliff Kingsbury got out coached. Sean McVay put on a master class in coaching against the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray looked lost in the sauce. He looked bad. Only 137 yards and two touchdowns. They couldn't get anything going. He had a Carson Wentz-like interception in his own end zone. And he just tosses it up for an interception. Guess what? Carson Wentz has done that. Matthew Stafford has done that against the Titans. Both teams against the Cardinals. Kyler Murray decides to give some love to the Los Angeles Rams. He kind of looked like a double agent out there. So many three and outs. So many negative yards. Didn't even get past the Rams 50 until the third quarter. The first half was domination of 21-0. to And what was key is, and what to me looked like, Sean McVay didn't really trust Matt Stafford is he only threw 17 pass attempts, which was a low for him all season. Usually, you know, he's at 20 plus, 30 plus, sometimes 40 plus pass attempts. Today or Monday, he was 17 pass attempts, 13 of 17, 202 yards, two touchdowns. They had a commitment to the run. I think a little is they didn't want to make any big mistakes with Matthew Stafford like he's been making. And also, they rushed for 140 yards. Uh, they knew that, guess what? The Seahawks just allowed Rashad Penny to get 190 yards on them. 190 yards. So they just followed the Seahawks game plan to be efficient, uh, play good defense, and hey, run the football. And they did exactly that. Had the trick play with OBJ uh, to Cooper Cup as well. And Aaron Donald, Von Miller getting after it. I mean, just a great performance by the Rams. As a general, in general, you know, you had the Cardinals, I thought, do a good job on Cooper Cup, only limiting limiting him to 60 yards, five receptions. But other guys were getting open. This Cardinals team, like I said, they were no match for the Los Angeles Rams Monday night. No match at all. Rams advance to the divisional round. Now, I'm going to analyze what's ahead for the wild card losers. First team up, Raiders. What's next for them? What do they need to do to get back to where they were this year? Maybe advance further. Two things. I'm usually uh, this is maybe you know maybe one and a half. One's obvious. It's a coach, uh, Rich Bisaccia. I thought did a great job as an interim coach. The team seemed to love him and want to give him a chance. They played hard for him, but you fire a general manager, Mike Mayock. So you're going to bring the new one in, and he'll decide uh, Rich Bisaccia's fate. So that's one thing you have to make clear: is hey. Are we going forward with this guy? Are we going with a different guy? So that the team knows. And then the next thing they need is a wide receiver. Uh, Henry Ruggs ain't coming back after what happened midseason. You have Darren Waller, who's a legitimate threat. But who's your other threat? Hunter Renfro. And he's not a guy that scares me. I know he's great working out of a slot. is a 1,000-yard receiver. But he's not dangerous. He can't blow the top off of defenses, you know, like Henry Ruggs could. They need another wide receiver to add to this offense to make it more dynamic. They have a good rushing attack uh, with Josh Jacobs. I think Derek Carr, final year in his contract coming up, he'll be fine. They have Max Crosby and, to me, a decent defensive uh, front. But the wide receiver will be huge for this offense. Uh, to contend, you know, with the Chiefs, who they lost to a couple times, uh, the Chargers, who are very tough for them. So a wide receiver is what they need, and stability at the head coach position. What about the Patriots? What do they need? Well, they also need a wide receiver. They had the number one scoring defense, and their defense was kind of top five in a lot of categories. They had a good defense. Now, they signed Matt Judon. Great year, 
Didn't finish the year great, particularly due to injuries. But you have a really good defense. Yes, you can say, hey, maybe they look a little old or slow, but it's still a top unit. I'm not trying to overhaul that defense quite yet. What I do know is I've got a good rushing game. I got Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson. I got guys who can run the football. I drafted my quarterback last year, Mac Jones. I signed some tight ends. But what do I need? I need a wide receiver. Like I said for the Raiders, they need a wide receiver where they can blow the top off a of defense. Kendrick Bourne, good wide receiver, solid guy. But that's all they have is just solid wide receivers. They don't have anyone where the opposing team needs to double them or do anything special to go out of their way. You know, the number two cornerback uh, can kind of lock them down. So they need a legitimate wide receiver, someone for Mac Jones to kind of, you know, get in sync with. And I think a wide receiver that would work for them is John Mechie, a guy Mac Jones is familiar with with his time in Alabama. But I think a Jamison Williams... John Mechie would be perfect for Mac Jones. His progression and for its Patriots to make it back to where they were last year, maybe be a little better. I think that is a big one for the New England Patriots. Eagles, what do they need? Well, the same thing as the other teams I've mentioned. A wide receiver. I like Jalen Hurts. I think he is the leader of this rushing attack, even though he's a quarterback. But they have a good offensive line, but they need a receiver. I know they drafted Devontae Smith. I think he's great, but you need more than Devontae Smith. I've seen so many things this year of uh, the Minnesota, or my bad, the Philadelphia Eagles picking Jalen Rager before Justin Jefferson and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside before D.K. Metcalf. That must make you sick to your stomach, if you're the Eagles, to know you could have had both Justin Jefferson and DK Metcalf on your team, and you did it, and you possibly could have added Devontae Smith this year, and you could have had three tremendous wide receivers, but they've missed on wide receivers. They really have. I think Devontae Smith is good, good for Jalen Hurts, but they need another legitimate threat on this team for if Jalen Hurts is your quarterback or if he doesn't happen to be your quarterback, you're still going to need weapons. So wide receiver to me is a big point of emphasis to complement this number one rushing attack. That's what we've seen. And I talked about this, you know, the past couple years with the Baltimore Ravens and then having the number one rushing attack, but you need some receivers and they finally got out added Sammy Watkins, drafted Bateman and others to bolster up this passing attack. Eagles need to do the same thing that the Ravens did last year. Steelers. What do the Pittsburgh Steelers need? They need a quarterback. Big Ben is gone. He's retired. That really is your biggest question mark heading into this season. Because to me, you've got good skill positions. Najee Harris is your clear three-down running back. You got Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, Ray McLeod, a wide receiver. You've got a good wide receiver group. Maybe none of them are not true number one guys, but you got a lot of depth there. You got Pat Fryermuth as well. Defense, you got two key cornerstones. TJ Watt, defensive player of the year I expect to be this year. And Minka Fitzpatrick, safety, who kind of had a down year this year but I think is still very capable of playing great football. That leaves you at quarterback, and obviously Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins are not your guy, or Mike Tomlin would have said that, but he says you know he's ready to find the next Steelers quarterback, so obviously he hasn't found him yet. I don't think you go the free agent market. Uh, there's not a lot of great free agents out there. I think Teddy Bridgewater is kind of the highly touted one. But there's not a lot of good ones uh, that are going to be free agents. You got two guys that could be available for trade. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Now, I don't know if Russell Wilson wants to go there. It wasn't on his teams of uh, trade outs. But Aaron Rodgers could be a possibility 
Big Ben, you're not longer going to have his cap hit. Aaron Rodgers is going to have a 44 or $46 million cap hit, something ridiculous like that. So if the Packers keep him, they're going to have to restructure his contract or we're going to have to trade him. And if you're going to trade him, why not trade him to the Steelers? It's an AFC team. You won't have to see him in the NFC. And if you're Aaron Rodgers, you got to think that's a good situation. I mean, Green Bay Packers, to me, are the best situation for you. But the Steelers aren't a bad situation. You got one of the best coaches in the league who's never had a losing regular season in Mike Tomlin. You got weapons. You got a decent defense. Maybe some help on the offensive line. But those are very draftable pieces. Then you don't have to go out and draft a quarterback. However, if the Steelers go the rookie route, I think Kenny Pickett is a way to go. Heisman finalist. A tremendous arm. Huge numbers he put up in college this year. I think Kenny Pickett, to me, is the only surefire quarterback coming out of his draft for uh, quarterbacks. I really don't have a lot of faith in Sam Howell, uh, Matt Corral either. I think Kenny Pickett, to me, is to me the best quarterback in this class. That's one if I was the Steelers. Had to pick a rookie. That's one I'd roll with. Dallas Cowboys. What's next for you to kind of win the division again and maybe win a playoff game? Coaching staff. That's the biggest one. You got a talented roster. You paid Dak Prescott hundreds of millions of dollars. He's staying put. He gave Zeke a big contract as well a few years ago. He's staying put. You got Tyrone Smith, you know, Zach Martin, offensive lineman. Good offensive line. You got some of the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL. Maybe the best quartet in Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb. On defense, you got one of the top defenses. You got Trevon Diggs lead the league in interceptions, even though uh, he got blown in coverage multiple times, even against Brandon Ayuk. Uh, you got Micah Parsons, who will be defensive player or defensive rookie of the year. You got Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence. You got guys. But you have so many guys, why can't you win a football game? A lot of it to me is on the coach and the coaching staff. I think they need to recreate some things. I think Dan Quinn, tremendous defensive coordinator, uh, what he did with his defense. But on offense, to me, Kellen Moore kind of seems a little stagnant as a play caller. Mike McCarthy is not the guy. Again, like I've said before, he didn't win with Aaron Rodgers. He won once very early in his career, but majority of his time, didn't win a lot with Aaron Rodgers. Sometimes they didn't even make the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers. So if he did that with Aaron Rodgers, how do I expect Mike McCarthy to win with Dak Prescott, who isn't on the same level or in the same stratosphere as Aaron Rodgers? So that's something the Cowboys, I think, should take a hard, long look at. I know it's only been two years. You've improved. You won the division after missing out on the playoffs last year. But this is a talented roster. They're not going to be together forever. You're going to need to capitalize on your window now. And I don't think Mike McCarthy is the coach to capitalize on that. I think they need to take a hard, long look at the coaching staff. Evaluate it really from top to bottom so that they have a motivator in there. Uh, and then also one who's kind of plays discipline and they don't take as many penalties uh, most penalized team in the league this year. Finally, the Arizona Cardinals. What do they need? I, again, I think they need a coach. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury the answer. I mean, we look at his last 10 years now combined at Texas Tech and uh, Arizona. Starts great. Great starts. Horrible finishes. Horrible. Like complete 180s. Whereas a team that could win the Super Bowl the first half of the season looks like a team that could get the number one draft pick in the second half of the season. Uh, And you can't have that much extreme in football. And I think he needs to go. And I think the most telling stat is this one. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury had Patrick Mahomes in college. He went 13-19 in college with Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes put up some gaudy numbers and stats but nobody really remembers it because they had a bunch of losing seasons and outdueled by Baker Mayfield 
So nobody really remembers that. Now he goes to the NFL. He's with Andy Reid. He's won Super Bowl, MVP, Super Bowl, MVP. And Cliff Kingsbury is doing the same exact thing he did with Patrick Mahomes. Now with Kyler Murray. Bad finishes, great starts to the seasons, and it just doesn't finish off well. I don't think he's the answer as the head coach for this team. Uh, I think he's a good coach, but he's not a great coach. Not a Super Bowl winning coach, not on the echelons of the Sean McVay's, Malifors, Andy Reid's. Not where, nowhere near that conversation. So the Cardinals... I think they have a talented roster. Obviously, it was evident. They went 11-6 and six or a win away from winning the division. However, to me, a lot of it falls on the coach. Uh, I think you can win with Kyler Murray. I think he's very athletic. A lot of accuracy as well. High completion percentage. You got talent. You got DeAndre Hopkins will be back. You got A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, Rondale Moore. Decent offensive line. Defense, you had T.J. Watt, Chandler Jones, secondary, I believe you need to address uh, the cornerback position. But Cliff Kingsbury is the biggest concern to me and X-Factor for this team. Now, I'm going to be ranking the remaining teams uh, left in the playoffs, those teams that I just mentioned are gone. Those six teams are out. There are now eight teams left, so I'm going to rank the remaining eight teams based on just what I saw last week. Number eight, the Cincinnati Bengals. I put them as eight. I think they're an electric team. However, I think they really could have dominated the Las Vegas Raiders more, and they kind of fell flat. In the second half, just kicking a couple of field goals. Uh, this was a home game. I know a lot of nerves. But guess what? They snapped their 31-year playoff drought. So congrats to them. Uh, Jamar Chase uh, broke the you know single-game playoff record for a wide receiver in this game for them. So that was great. That connection between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase is tremendous. However... They had some injuries on the defensive side of the football. You know, Trey Hendrickson, uh, the other defensive end. So that puts them at a disadvantage as they now play a very run-heavy team, which I think will be run-heavy with Derrick Henry. So the Bengals left a lot out there on the field. Could have had some more points. They didn't capitalize. So the Cincinnati Bengals I have as the eighth-best team. And they beat the Raiders, who I thought were one of the weaker playoff teams. Number seven, the San Francisco 49ers. They slayed the Dallas Cowboys. They slayed America's team. Congrats to them. However, like the Bengals, they could have won this game by a wider margin, and they didn't. To me, they sort of fell short. Jimmy Garoppolo made a poor decision in his interception. He also sprained his throwing shoulder as well in the process. Uh, Because of that, This passing attack with Jimmy G, you know, it's always a question mark. They can run the football with Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel. They can get it open, but it's just not making the crucial mistakes. It's a secondary as well, not getting torched. But this team beat a good Cowboys team. A lot of people were on the Cowboys train saying this year was different. We know every year we say that, but sometimes we don't believe it. This year, we really believe it. This year is different. It's our year. And it wasn't the 49ers, your America's team now. Number six, the Los Angeles Rams. Big win. 20 plus points. Dominated from start to finish. Great performance. Aaron Donald got in the backfield, was wreaking havoc. However, I will say this, and this was another point of controversy uh, that I'll now mention that I forgot to bring up against the Cardinals. He should be suspended the rest of the playoffs. This man instigated a fight against offensive linemen of the Cardinals. I believe it was DJ Humphreys is his name. And ripped his helmet off. Legit choked him. You know, grabbed him by the throat and was squeezing 
his throat, choking the guy. And you're not going to suspend him? If that was any other player in the league, the NFL would have suspended him. Heck, if it was Miles Garrett, he'd be gone for 10 games. I don't see the difference between ripping off Mason Rudolph's helmet and hitting him upside the head with it than uh, Aaron Donald ripping off a guy's helmet and legit choking him like he's Darth Vader. Like, what is that? You ain't Darth Vader. You're not Darth Donald. You're Donald Duck, if best. So that was a bad look for him. I think he should be suspended. Obviously, he won't because he plays Tom Brady. And now he wants to send some warning message to Tom Brady. Uh, So go ahead, Aaron Donald. But you're only number six on this list, uh, mainly because even though your defense looked good, your offense is still led by Matthew Stafford. Yes, he got his elusive first playoff win. But now he's playing a different beast in Tom Brady. We'll see if you're prepared for that. I have you as the sixth best team. Number five, the Buffalo Bills. To me, there's separation here from one to five and six to eight. The Buffalo Bills absolutely look dominant. Looked like they could have won the Super Bowl. Any team they would have played on Saturday, they played Saturday night. Buffalo would have won the Super Bowl if they looked like that. Now it's just finding consistency because sometimes Josh Allen will have a tremendous game like that. Then he'll fall back to earth or even just flatline. So that's one thing I'm worried about. But Buffalo overall, offense looked good. Defense, Micah Hyde played tremendous as well. The safeties, uh, both of them, whole secondary group. This team is dangerous. It's a threat to the Chiefs and to every other team in the AFC. Number four, the Tennessee Titans. I can't give them an official grade because... They didn't play last week. They earned the first round bye. But I think they needed it uh, because now they are, to me, fully healthy. A.J. Brown shouldn't have a nagging injury or Julio Jones. Gives Derrick Henry another week of practice. Now we get to see Derrick Henry return. I think his return is going to be glorious, 100-plus yards. I have the Tennessee Titans there at number four. Can't give him a true grade. Same with number three, the uh, the Green Bay Packers. They had the bye week. Again, they get some rest. David Bakhtiaro will be more healthy. Randall Cobb, uh, Aaron Rodgers says his toe issue has vanished. It's gone away with. Don't have to worry about the toe or bring up the toe anymore, which is good. Because when you lose, I don't want to hear that as an excuse. I don't want to hear, oh, I had my toe injury. I want to hear, hey, I'm good. I'm 100%. So that when you lose, it's, what's the excuse now? You already said the toe was good, it's healed. I don't want to hear about the toe. Patrick Mahomes had a real toe injury last year. I turf toe, had surgery. I don't want to hear about your little toe injury anymore, Aaron Rodgers. Number two, Kansas City Chiefs yet again put on why they are one of the best teams in the AFC after destroying the Steelers. And Patrick Mahomes had, you know, the fastest five uh, touchdown uh, sort of timeline there of 10 minutes. Which was great for the Kansas City Chiefs to do that to the Steelers. To get confidence as well. The defense uh, shore some things up before they play the Buffalo Bills. So the Kansas City Chiefs have the experience. Their team that's done this before. They still get home field for this second game. Divisional round, which is big for them. And I think the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, are the top threat still in the AFC. Number one, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are the reigning defending champions. They look good against the Eagles. This is a very, 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 very good team. Still led by Tom Brady. Still have Mike Evans and Gronk. Didn't... And one, and we didn't have a great rushing attack. You know, no Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette, but Carlton Davis on defense looked good. Antoine Winfield with a game, uh, Whitehead and Edwards, all those guys back there in the secondary played a lot better. You had that with a top rushing defense. Watch out for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everybody can write them off yet and say, "Hey, AB ruined their chances of winning the Super Bowl." 
But if they go and win the Super Bowl, what are you going to say now other than, you know, bowing down to the GOAT Tom Brady? So those are my eight teams that are left. Now, moving on to the NBA. Last night, Klay Thompson had his best shooting game, best game back. Uh, 21 points, 6 of 13 uh, from the field. Added 6 free throws, 3 of 8 from 3. Not super dangerous, but hey, 21 points for him. Steph Curry had 18. Wiggins, 19. Defensively, they were good. Again, they're playing the Pistons, so they can really tune some things up. But I think it's good for Clay to find his stroke because you can kind of weather the absence of Draymond Green. I know he was in defensive player of the year conversation. Uh, that might no longer be the case after this absence. But if you can find your offense with Clay Thompson and them and, you know, finding some chemistry, then adding Draymond Green when he gets back won't be a problem. It'll only make this team a little better. Now, what about tonight's games? Let me tell you this. They're showing me the Hornets and the Celtics tonight on ESPN. I'm picking the Celtics to win. I think Charlotte has a great offense, however... Terrible, terrible defense. Boston kind of just made a trade. I think Boston wins. But these are two teams that are hovering 500. Could Adam Silver please flex in a better game for us? You have the Grizzlies and the Bucks on tonight at the same time. Two of the best teams in the NBA. And you're going to show me the Hornets and the Celtics instead of the Grizzlies and the Bucks. Really, as a fan... That just hurts me. But I'm picking the Celtics. Then after that game, you have the Clippers and Nuggets. Denver's kind of reeling right now, but I think they'll get better this game and beat the, uh, beat the Clippers. Still no Paul George. They're extending his sort of downtime. They're not getting him back anytime soon. Uh, and I think they'll lose this game. However, there could be fireworks. If Marcus Morris plays tonight, which I hope he does, he's also going to see Nikola Jocic. Now, why is this a big deal? Well, Jocic is the one who injured Marcus Morris's brother. Uh, you know, was the one who lined him back, hit him right in the spine, uh, and he hasn't played since. Marcus Morris said there is going to be some bad blood. You know, Jocic was all for it, and his brothers as well. So maybe we can expect some fireworks tonight between Marcus Morris and Nikola Jocic. I wouldn't put it past Marcus Morris. I think this could be a game where some tempers flare. And this one could actually be a little secretly exciting to watch. A lot of tension on the sideline there for both teams. However, I like the Nuggets to win this game. But I see it being very competitive and close. Maybe a little bench clearing as well. Now moving on to some NHL uh, news and picks. Maple Leafs and Rangers tonight. Uh, Maple Leafs have been a little inconsistent and they're playing. Uh, games have been postponed. They've played. They've won some. They lost some. Now they play the Rangers who are one of the best teams in the Metro. And I like Toronto to win this game. I do. Uh, the Rangers... Igor Shesterkin, great goalie, uh, but defense is not a strong suit other than Adam Fox, who's an offensive defenseman. They don't have much defense, and Austin Matthews has kind of been tearing it up. I see them scoring a lot of goals and winning this game, uh, beating the New York Rangers. Then you have the Avalanche and the Ducks, and the Colorado Avalanche started slowly to this season, but they're kind of back now where we thought they were, you know, right there in the Central Division, leading the Central. I think it's they're going to win tonight. Cole McCarr, one of the best defensemen in the league. Nazim Kadri, leading his team in points, which to me is incredible when you have, you know, Rantanen and Landeskog and uh, all of these guys there at Colorado. And Kadri is leading the team who has a bit of a history, but if he's adding offensive points... I don't think Colorado will see anything wrong with his game, and I like Colorado to win this game. Now I'm going to give you my top five teams in the NHL. 
Number one, the Colorado Avalanche. Like I said, a team that, hey, talking about earlier in the year, and what's wrong with them? Nothing wrong now. 53 points, leading the Central. Uh, they have scored or have a goal differential of 41, which is, you know, top three in the league. They've won eight of their past 10 games, won three in a row. Uh, this team is very hot right now, and I feel sad, sorry for anybody uh, that has to face them. Number four, the New York Rangers, 54 points, tied upside the Metro. What makes this team so good? Well, they lose a game in bad fashion. They come back and win a game in spectacular fashion. Uh, on a two-game winning streak right now, they've won three out of their past four. Uh, they beat some good teams on the stretch. You know, they've beat the Lightning. They've beat the Oilers. Uh, so this is a team that definitely performs against big-time teams. It's just a matter of finding a little bit more consistency. Number three, the Carolina Hurricanes tied upside the Metro. The number one team in goal differential, meaning, you know, they score a ton of goals and they don't allow a lot. And also on a two-game winning streak, have won seven of their past ten. They only have eight losses. Eight losses, 26-8-2. This Carolina Hurricanes team is a tremendous hockey team uh, this year, and I think they could definitely be winners of the Metro Division. Number two, the Florida Panthers, another team, top three in goal differential, and they've actually scored uh, the most goals. They're at 159. They have won eight of their past 10. They're rock solid at home as well, 21-3. and three. No team as good as them at home than the Florida Panthers, 21 at 357 points, second most points in the league, this Florida Panthers team is for real. But who's number one? Well, still the dragon that has yet to be slayed, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Number one team with 59 points, and I know they played uh, the most games this year, but when you have the most points, something's working for you. Uh, they have won four in a row. They're atop the Atlantic and the NHL. So this... Lightning team, head coach John Cooper, you know, Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, Vasilevsky. This is a good, good team. And it's going to take a great effort for another team to beat them come playoff time. But halfway through the season, and Tampa Bay is the best team in the NHL. So those are my top five teams. The Colorado Avalanche, the New York Rangers, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Florida Panthers. And the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, final note I'm going to mention before I wrap this up, or I guess this is wrapping this up, is the Seminoles, the Florida State Seminoles, upsetting Duke last night in overtime. 79-78. What a game uh, for them. Florida State, the second half comeback to tie it up. But then to go into overtime and beat Duke, what a tremendous effort. Again, this college basketball season has been great. You know, I just saw Baylor lose two in a row last week. And there has just been upsets upon upsets this season and close games. It has been a great college basketball season. Uh, and I think it's only going to get better. March Madness will be great. So I will end on that note. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Uh, bye, everybody.